Well, our theme verse for the next couple of weeks is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. And this is what it says. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Excel. We're going to look at different areas that God's calling us to excel in, not just for 2014, but all the days of our lives. And today's theme, I'm telling you, is going to apply to every single person because we're going to talk about excelling in speech. Speech gets really sloppy. Speech gets really undisciplined. In fact, in a couple of weeks ago, as I was plotting out this sermon and, and I was thinking about my life and reflecting on my life, I pulled my 13-year-old daughter aside and I was like, hey, Abby, can I just ask you a question? Um, how's my speech been over the holidays? And she gave me a weird look. The reason I asked you is because I knew I was gonna preach this sermon. So I thought, well, what accountability right there in my house. But like you, like you, I have problems with my speech, with the words that I choose, but by God's grace, I'm getting better and I will get better. And here's the reason I have a problem. And it's the same reason you have a problem. We all have the problem is because the scripture tells us that you cannot tame the tongue. By ourselves and by our own power, we don't have the ability to tame the tongue. We have to have the Holy Spirit to make us disciplined with the words that we choose. Now, I am amazed at the human spirit. The things human beings can do are amazing. And in recent years, we've seen this, especially in the different survival types of stories. There's those that are controlled like the show Survivor, and there's some admiration to that. But then there's also the different documentaries of people who have hiked the tallest mountains or gone to the South Pole or done amazing feats and have pushed themselves physically. And the ability of the human spirit to endure, endure suffering or to endure hardship is really remarkable. I think it shows us how we're made in God's image. As we reflect on the American worker, and we think especially back to the industrial revolution and how early on so much of America worked in assembly lines, and some of that is being automated now, but still, I have incredible admiration for the American worker, the laborer, who has the ability to repeat the same motion and the same task over and over all day long, every day, every week, year after year. And we shouldn't demean uh, those who work factory jobs or those who work what, what we call manual labor because it takes incredible skill and discipline to do that type of work. I mean, anybody can sit in an office and think, right? But to sit there and do the same repetitive motion is something to admire and something to look up to. And it's something that the American, excuse me, the, the human beings can do. The self-control is amazing. What novelists and writers and authors do, the ability to sit in front of a computer or in, in former years to take a paper and pen and to write and write and choose a word and choose a phrase and, and come and, and let all your thoughts be reflected in writing it takes incredible, incredible discipline. Music and arts and athletics. Over and over we see people display incredible discipline. But here's the irony. The same people who are extremely disciplined in their skill and in their task can't tame this little thing called the tongue. 
They can't do that. See, small things have incredible power. Small things have incredible, incredible power. I saw this picture recently I want to show to you. It's called the comparison of 1993 and 2013. So we see in 93 a laptop, a walkie-talkie, a camera. I don't know what that thing on the left is. I think it was a, uh, what was that? A PDA, Palm Pilot, Palm Pilot, yes. That, that word just had left my brain forever. A watch, a beeper. Thank God we've been delivered from beepers, most of us, except for Jeff Cook. I think he still has a beeper somewhere because of his job. The Walkman, and yet now we have the iPhone. You know, the iPhone just had its anniversary this week of seven years. That's it. How many of you have an iPhone? All right, in seven years, think about what the iPhone has done. Look at the tip of your finger. Think about on the tip of your finger, a chip can fit right there. A chip that can contain as much information and little transistors that 40 to 50 years ago, 50 years ago for sure, it took buildings, massive complexes of buildings to hold what now can be right there on the tip of your finger. So a very small thing has power. That's why in the book of James, James chapter three, we're gonna read a paraphrase I've been, just so you know, uh, most of the time this year, I'm going to preach out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's kind of where I've landed. But today, I'm going to start out with this paraphrase, the message. It's not a translation, but this is a really good paraphrase. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. Think about that. I mean, think about this powerful horse. I mean, the, the power of a horse, the most powerful thing besides a machine that man has used for transportation until recent decades is controlled by a bit in the mouth. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. So here are two word pictures that are just as relevant to us today as they were a couple of thousands of years ago. Now look at this part, verse five. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up and smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. So you can't control the tongue by yourself and by your own power. Here's the first observation today about our speech is our speech controls. Our speech controls. I, I want to remind you of something. Your speech controls the destiny of your life. Your speech controls who you're going to become. Your speech has an incredible capacity. Why? Not because there's a magic word or magic formula or we repeat something and the words themselves are what makes the difference. It's because words reflect our hearts. And so what we say is a window into our hearts. 
And as we look into the future, we realize that the words we choose set the tone for our relationship with our spouse. The words we choose set the tone for the relationship with our children. The words we use is the expression of who we are. God himself revealed himself through his word. And so we know who God is because of what God said. So it is that we reveal who we are by what we say and how we say it. And that's why words control so much of our life. Our speech controls who we are. And there's some incredible scriptures that I want to share with you today. I'm going to share with you quite a bit of scriptures. But going back to James chapter 3, verse 6, it reminds us of this. Let's look at James 3, 6 again. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the course of life. Look at that phrase that I underlined. It sets the course of our life. Can I just tell you that your negativity, you think that it's only affecting those around you. But negative words really set the course for you. That's why we have to have the Holy Spirit's power. Because when we choose negative words and we choose to, to say things that, and often it's just out of bad habit, often it's just out of carelessness, often it's out of just being sloppy, but we fail to remember the power behind those words. The power behind those words that happen because it sets the tone for our attitude. It sets the pathway for our disposition. It sets the course of our future. And that's why every single one of us needs the Holy Spirit's power to help us with our language. When the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2 to the disciples, it changed their language. Often when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, something will happen to them verbally. They'll speak in another language or speak in tongues as we know it, or they'll prophesy, or, or they'll have a bold declaration of God. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit fills you and begins to change your heart, it begins to change your mouth also. The things we talk about, the way we talk about things, the tone of voice we use, this little tiny muscle, the tongue, controls everything. And it's so sad to me that I've seen, as I've observed other people, people of, in, of, of incredible talent, whether it's in the arts or whether it's in sports or you name it, in business, even in the ministry itself, they have incredible, incredible capabilities and talent, but because they haven't let the Holy Spirit control their tongue, it's damaged them, it's limited them, it's set them on the wrong course. And when I think about those other people, you know, who it really makes me think about is, it makes me think about me. And how when I don't let the Holy Spirit control my tongue, wow, things, things can really, really keep me from being everything God wants me to be. And those of us who are in leadership, and really all of you are in leadership in some way or the other, and your words carry so much weight, you got to be careful. You have to let the Holy Spirit use them. And the early years of me pastoring, we were in temporary in temporary building, or we were meeting at what's now uh, Station Camp Middle School. And can I just tell you, it was, it was kind of hard. I don't want to whine up here, but I mean, it took a couple dozen people every week just to put on the service, 
and to set up the chairs and set up the sound system and unload trailers and set up and do all the different things. And then we'd have an hour and 15 minute service and thank God for all the people who came and see you later. And then we'd have to put it all back again. And it was just repetitive. And, and there was an element of stress that would be there. And I was a young pastor and it was one particular morning that I was a little bit stressed, trying to cover all the bases, trying to think about the sermon and simultaneously manage the setup of the school and all that. And a good friend of mine who I'd been friends with for years, he came and uh, said something that was very ill-timed, very inappropriate of him to say, wrong time, wrong message. And it hit a very sensitive, uh, sensitive subject to me. And what I did is I just reacted. And then I went off on him and reacted in anger and said some things that felt really good. And when I said that, I immediately saw in his face shock and it, and it really caught him off guard. And I immediately apologized. Immediately said, hey man, I'm so sorry. Later on that afternoon, later on the afternoon, I called him back again and said, I'm sorry. And we worked through it. And he hung on with the church for a couple of months, but immediately he trailed off. And here's the deal. The moment... I let those words come out of my mouth and I saw the reaction on his face. It was over. I would, it was over. I, I knew that I had damaged that relationship and for whatever reason, this person didn't have the capacity to get over it. But you know, the fault's on me here because here it is. Here's the second point is this, is our speech damages, our speech destroys. Our speech destroys. And, and, in this culture where we glorify cut downs and put downs that I think it's good for us to remember if we're going to excel in speech, that for those of us, some of us with quick wit and with humor and some of us who have these great put downs who travel through our minds, we need the Holy Spirit's help to shut those things down because our speech can destroy. Now I think humor is good. And some of you guys, God uses your humor. You, you guys tell me jokes and keep me laughing and I need to laugh more. Don't I believe that, Abby? I need to laugh more. And so um, I, I actually am trying to laugh more in my life. So don't interpret this as, as me trying to, you know, shut down humor here. It just is allowing the Holy Spirit to be the filter and understanding that words do destroy. Words destroy, destroys kids' self-confidence. It destroys people's dreams. Uh, words have power over people. And, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us. That's why in Isaiah chapter 6, this is not in your notes or on the screen, but in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah got in the presence of the Lord, he said, I'm an unclean man. I have unclean lips. And I live among a people with unclean lips. When he was in God's presence, there was an awareness, my speech is not up to par. My speech is not what it should be. So let's look at some of the wisdom in, in the scriptures. Proverbs 12, 18 has been one of the most important scriptures in my life. Because when I was in high school, early on in high school, I was that funny guy who would always cut down people, burn people, funny. And God used the scripture to change my life. There is one who speaks rationally like a piercing sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, I, this God has used this scripture in my life. In the NIV, I memorized it a little bit different. It says, it says um, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I just said, God, I want to be someone who brings healing. I want to be an encourager. I want my words to minister to people. 
I don't want to be the one who gets to laugh immediately, but 15 and 20 years from now, someone is still carrying the damage of my reckless words. And I love these words because uh, the one who speaks rashly, the NIV says reckless words, they pierce like a sword. How often we don't realize that something comes out of our mouth and we just think it's empty words, but it's like a sword going into people's spirit in their hearts. Man, our words really, really matter. Proverbs 26, 18 says it this way. Like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows, so is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. How relevant is that? I mean, I've done that before too, where, you know, I've said careless words or put somebody down and, and I can see the reaction and I can see that their feelings are hurt or can see that I've hit a sensitive area. And then I think, oh, I was only joking. I was only joking. Just, just back off. And wouldn't it be better if we let the Holy Spirit direct our language beforehand? Psalms 52, too, has a similar theme here, where it says, like a sharpened razor, your tongue devises destruction, working treachery. This incredible capacity that our tongue has to destroy and to cause negative things to happen to people. But guys, listen, on the contrary, that's just half the story. Because our tongues also have incredible, incredible power. I mean, the influence that our tongues can have. A friend of mine, you need to know his name, his name is John McKenzie, and he serves as an overseer at the church. He's one of, he's one of my pastors, one of my spiritual authorities, and I've been friends with him for 27 years. I met him when I was 11 years old. And when I was 11 years old, I was like every 11-year-old, that, that I know, I mean, I was about sports. I was about, you know, just getting through the day at school. And I, ha- I was the baby in my family. And I was kind of had the gift of being a punk with a smart aleck mouth and all of this. And, and that sixth grade year, I met two men who changed my life. And John was one of them. And John is this incredible encourager. And so as a sixth grader, as my sixth grade year would advance, John began to say stuff to me. He began to say, Aaron, Someday, someday, Aaron, you are going to be my youth pastor. Now, the type of guy John is, he probably told that to 25 other sixth graders are in our church. But guess what? I believed him. And what I believed is this. It wasn't so much me working for him. Incidentally, I did for nine years. For nine years, I was his assistant. But it was the fact that someone an authority in my life saw potential in me and spoke it into my life. The power of speaking into someone's life. Now, just to let you know that this is not some magical formula, as a youth pastor, there were a couple of guys that I said the same things to, you're gonna be my youth pastor someday. And they never were my youth pastor. So it wasn't the power of saying those words uh, and the words themselves. It was the heart behind the words. And as a sixth grader, John spoke something into my life and I began to think, he can see me as a pastor. He can see me as a youth pastor. And that began to change my choices and the way I lived and what my potential is. Can I just tell you, parents and uncles and aunts and school teachers and youth workers and Awana volunteers, you have power with your words to create something. Here's the second point, our speech creates our speech creates, not that we're God, 
please don't hear me wrong. We only reflect God. I don't want us to use this as some type of excuse to think we're these powerful people that we can control our reality with words. No, I'm saying this is that God can, by his grace, use our words to create in some, somebody else a vision for their life they haven't seen before. It's incredible how God can use our words. Look at some of the Proverbs and scriptures that, that stand out here. Proverbs chapter 10 says it this way. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. unavoidable, unavoidable. Man, I have one of those a week, don't I? But the one who controls his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is pure silver. The heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous feed many. Can I just tell you that God wants to use your mouth to encourage somebody? And you don't need a microphone to be an encourager. And you don't even need a platform physically or metaphorically. All you need is a relationship. The people who are in your life, you can speak blessings over. Proverbs chapter 12. Let's, let's just continue this journey here. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word cheers it up. And that's one of the things that God uses good, clean humor to cheer us up and encourage us and to be positive. Proverbs chapter Chapter 16 says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Don't you like being around an encourager? Don't you be, like being around someone who speaks well? Proverbs chapter 18 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Here's my closing today. I want to ask you this question, going back to James chapter three, going back to James chapter three, who controls your tongue? Who controls your tongue? Because this little tongue, this little tongue controls your life. It controls, it destroys, but it creates. So who has control? Are you the one who has control of your tongue? Are you the one who has control of your language? If you, are you the one who have control of your words? Or by his power and by his strength, can we submit that to the Holy Spirit? Can we say, let the Holy Spirit be the leader of our tongues? And here's what I want you to understand today is the theme scripture says, let's excel in speech. Let's excel in speech. I don't want you to think the way you talk today is the way you're always going to talk. And the way you speak today is the way you're always going to speak. Yes, the scripture lets us know that we can't control the tongue, but that's why we have the Holy Spirit of God. That's why we have his power. That's why we have his fruit. And so what you have not been able to do in yourself and by yourself and by your own power, his power is available and his power is here. here and his power and strength can come and change your heart and take control of your tongue and can take control of your words and so that your mouth will be filled with blessing. That's why the Lord says, the, the, the scripture, the song that we often sing and is this, is let the praise of the Lord continuously be on my lips. I want to be a person who praises the Lord. I want to be a person who blesses the Lord. I, I want to please the Lord 
please the Lord more than anything else in the world. Can I just tell you, it feels so good sometimes when we choose words of cursing. It feels so good when we choose the put down. It feels so good when we, we choose the inappropriate quick remark. Those things feel so good, but it leads to destruction. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our tongues, to take control of our speech, and we say, hey God, by your help, I'm going to excel in speech. I'm going to have an overabundance of the type of speech you want, the good speech that you want. Man, when we let God do that, then he is really controlling our life. I mean, sometimes we let him control everything else. It's easy. God, you can have my finances and, and you can have my vacation because I'm going to go on a mission trip this year. And God, you can have um, what, whatever you need. You can have my Sunday mornings, Lord. And we give God control of all these things, but we keep control of our tongues. But man, let's give our tongues to the Lord. Let's give, let's give our speech to the Lord. Let's give our words to the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you for that. Thank you, God, for helping us to excel, helping us to excel in our speech. We thank you for that, Lord. I want to give you a moment, just let the Holy Spirit just to season what he said to us today. I'm telling you guys, this applies to us all. I know it does. You know what the word does? The word is not given to you just to make you feel bad. That's not the nature of our God. The word is given to you to give you an opportunity to change. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And no doubt that today, as you've heard this message and heard a couple of personal stories from me, that you've thought of about a time when you've been careless with your words or you've thought about a habit in your life or you've thought about a pattern in your life and that's made you sad and that's made you regretful. But now the Lord wants to take that sorrow and that regret. He's turning it into repentance and change your mind about your sin. Change your mind about your sloppiness. Change your mind about your habits. It's not what you've said. It's about what you're going to say. It's not about what's happened in the past. It's about what you can create in your future. And by God's help, every one of us can excel in our speech. Every one of us can improve. Every one of us can get better. Not by ourselves, not in ourselves, but by his power, by his anointing, by his strength. That, oh God, if you would take us as sinful people, and take our sinful tongues, oh God. And God, cleanse them, God. Lord, we need your help. And Lord, we cry out for your help today, God. We cry out for your strength today, Lord. Lord, we ask you to cleanse us. Would everyone just stand with me right now? I just believe that the Lord wants us to just corporately have a time of repentance today. Together, right now. God, would you just cleanse us, oh Lord. Lord, make us pure again. God, we, Lord... Lord, we don't hold on, God, to the false power we have. Lord, as we reflect on these passages today, Lord, we agree with you that reckless words pierce like a sword. We agree with you, Lord, that Lord, rash words are destructive. But in Lord, Lord, instead of being destructive, Lord, instead of being careless, we want to be wise. We want to be wise. You see, this is what the Lord wants to do. When the Lord shows you something and the Lord wants to take something out of your life, he doesn't just take it out so there's a void. He wants to replace it with something else. So instead of reckless words, instead of carelessness, instead of uh, a cunning, uh, a way that cuts and a way that divides, the Lord wants to replace that with wisdom. 
wisdom from above is yours in Jesus' name. Wisdom from above is yours right now. So what I want you to do, and this is a personal moment, I want you to close your eyes and I want you if, to just lift. No one's walking, watching you, so you'll be comfortable. Open your palms or lift your hands right now because I want you to receive the wisdom of the Lord. By his strength, by his power, Lord, you said in your word that, Lord, wisdom comes from above. Wisdom comes from above. So we receive your wisdom. We receive your wisdom. As you have those, those palms open right now. It's a physical symbol that you want to receive the wisdom of the Lord. God, I don't know what to say to certain family members. I don't know what to say to those who are outside of the family of God. I don't know what to say to that difficult personality that's in my life. I need your wisdom. Lord, when my emotions want to take over my tongue, Lord, I need your wisdom. Lord, when I want to respond a certain way that opposes your word, I need your wisdom. So Lord, we receive your wisdom. Receive the wisdom of the Lord. Receive the counsel of the Lord. Receive the perspective of the Lord. Our God is giving you everything you need to respond by his spirit and in his word. And we love you. And we thank you for it. We praise your name, God. You're a good and great and mighty God. Bless your name. I want to ask that our ushers begin.